Faith, Hope and Love, episode 349, the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. On the 1600th anniversary of the death of the great scripture scholar and biblical translator Saint Jerome, Pope Francis announced a new Sunday celebration. Around the world it's to be celebrated, usually on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, but our local conference of bishops here in Australia have moved it to the first Sunday in February due to our national holiday celebration overlapping it earlier. This celebration will be known and commemorated as the Sunday of the Word of God. The risen Jesus, instructing two disciples on the road to Emmaus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's Luke 24, verse 45. Christ continues to open our minds to understand the scriptures in this day and age as well. Also, in this week focusing on the word of God, has everyone discovered that wonderful gift to the whole church that is the prayer of the church, also known as the liturgy of the hours or the divine office? This is an official series of prayers and particularly psalms and readings for the different parts of each day. This, of course, is not just for priests and religious, but for all people in the church. This prayer of the church has prayers for seven different times during the day. The office of readings for morning prayer, mid-morning prayer, midday prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, and of course night prayer. You can access these prayers by going on to some online services like Universalis. And of course there are books available with all of the set of four weekly cycles of prayers. This is so we can truly savour God's living word, day and night. In the first reading, the prophet Isaiah is called by God, but Isaiah looks at himself and says, I'm not worthy. And so in response, God sends an angel to touch Isaiah's lips with a smoking hot ember and tells him that God has now made him worthy. It's God's judgment to deem him worthy of the task that he's being assigned, and it's not for Isaiah to second-guess his own usefulness to God. So it's not the place of even the greatest of prophets, such as Isaiah, to tell God what he feels he might be worthy of or not. And in many ways, there's a lesson here. It's not all about our efforts and our willpower, but rather it's primarily about God's grace. The prophet Isaiah learns this lesson in the first reading and similarly with St. Peter in today's Gospel. Thank goodness for the early disciples. We look up to these wonderful people, and we're also reminded that they were people with weaknesses and foibles, sinfulness, failure at times, and a shocking lack of trust at others, a hesitancy in faith as well. And at other times they show fear, and sometimes even cowardice. Because of this list of flawed leaders, it reveals how good and wise God is and how utterly dependent we all are on God's grace, God's mercy. It's not so much about us, but about God. Without God's grace, we can do nothing. God makes use of the humble things we have to offer and transforms them according to God's good purposes. Jesus is not ever saying that we should wallow in our sin or use it as an excuse to stay stuck in our old ways. We know we should never say, this is as good as it can be, this is me. However, God also wants to remind us that our worthiness is not the issue, but actually, as many great saints throughout history have reminded us by their own life stories, none of us is worthy of ourselves. 
It's God who makes us worthy. We never earn God's love. It's freely given as a generous act of graciousness. None of us is worthy without God's grace, except that we're all lovingly created by God and are made worthy of God's love by God's invitation and action. It's God who's calling us, and it's God alone who knows what we're capable of. God calls us to fulfill the abilities that God has given us. It really turns on its head the way humans so often think, and it's not the way God does. The difference between a saint and a sinner is not their worthiness before God, but the saint's determination not to stay stuck in their weakness or of their own willfulness or limitations, but to come to God's mercy, put their trust in God, put all their cooperation and openness into God's hands. We are all then transformed into instruments of God's love and grace, living, cooperating, breathing instruments in the hand of God, the most perfect artist, the most perfect musician. St. Peter, St. Paul, Isaiah, Jeremiah, King David, Saul, Moses, and so on, all great people, people who did God's will. But also, these same people were at times terribly weak, shockingly sinful. They sinned. Sometimes they even betrayed their calling or resented or doubted it. But nevertheless, it was God who was calling them and God who called them back to their vocation when they strayed. God knew them and what they could truly do, and God held them to that. It's God's standard by which God holds us to our behaviour, not our own. They trusted in God's wisdom, guidance, and at times mercy, and of course, always on God's grace. Again, we can reflect on our own experiences of weakness and forgiveness our experiences of our weaknesses and its forgiveness by God and by others. Being forgiven is a humbling experience, but one that allows us, like Isaiah, to step forward and volunteer to the Lord's work when we're asked. And God is asking us. All of us are invited to reflect on our own refusals, big and small, where at times we've declined to accept God and his power and his presence and grace. God is not there to frighten us, nor to condemn us as if we're going to be frozen into inaction by our own limitations. God lovingly calls us into being everything God wants us for, God made us for. Whenever we accept forgiveness for our weaknesses and failings and put our reliance and cooperation firmly into God's grace and into God's hands, then we're able to be given over to the work of the Lord. As with St. Peter, we can doubt many times. We could even deny God at times by action or word. But eventually, when we believe and trust, our lives are transformed into a reflection of God's mercy, compassion and graciousness. St. Paul used a similar image in his writings to this one. It would be ridiculous for a pencil to refuse to be taken into the hand of a great artist, claiming it's not worthy enough to draw a masterpiece. It would also be crazy for a pencil, if it could speak, to claim credit for the work that was wrought through its important use. Naturally, we know that we're not inanimate objects, and we are not merely passive objects in God's action. God has lovingly and graciously willed that we be participators in God's work. But we always keep in mind whose work it is that we're doing. 
and guard against relying too much on our own efforts or our own virtues as if they exist independent of God or going down dead-end paths. And we also avoid the other extreme, inaction, when faced with our own limitations. Both extremes, which we're called to avoid carefully, are based on putting ourselves at the centre of things instead of putting God right in the centre. But there's more. Did Jesus learn something from his previous rejection in his hometown? He preached alone and met with utter rejection. The crowd almost killed him. He narrowly escapes being thrown off a cliff. Next, he goes and calls followers to join him, to support him and be companions on the journey. And what a hard journey it's going to be. As always, Jesus calls a community around him. Simon Peter experiences a great miracle. In the least expected situation, not on a mountaintop, but in the ordinariness of his own workplace, he experiences an amazing event because he was humble enough to listen to someone telling him how to do his job that he knew so well. Our Lord shows him a new and dramatic and different way, and the results are enormous. This is a timely reminder to us. We must connect the gospel to our daily words, actions and priorities, or it won't make sense. Secondly, we, just like the disciples, need to work together in unity and in community like the disciples who were all needed to help haul in that enormous catch of fish. Peter and the people on the boat couldn't have done it alone. They needed everyone around them to help them with what they'd caught through God's grace. We must always take our cues, as best we can discern them, from Christ. If it's only about my own individual efforts and priorities, my toil might be heavy and it also might be quite misdirected. We never want to work like slaves on something and find that our own struggle was mysteriously fruitless, like the fishermen who laboured all night, applied all their experience and wisdom of their trade and still caught nothing. But then Jesus asked them, trust in me, follow my ways and words. Now do that same activity, but under my direction. And look what happens, they catch more than they could possibly hold. Jesus' ways are not the most ordinary, nor the most logical. However, they are the way of the gospel. And only by following our Lord, which is almost always the road less travelled, can we hope to bear fruit for Jesus' good news. We are disciples and workers and servants of God's kingdom, not the kingdom of me. So this weekend, let's ask the Lord to deepen our faith and give us the courage to proclaim his marvellous deeds. Let us be able to say, Here I am, Lord. Send me. This is Faith, Hope and Love. Love, it is patient, the greatest gift in all creation. A gift that's lighter than the words of you, not resentful, but gaining joy. Let us worship God and bow low before the God who made us, for he is the Lord our God.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Hello everyone, and peace and goodness to you all. Welcome as we gather to reflect upon God's Word on this Sunday of the Word of God, and to encounter Christ's presence in His Word and Sacrament. Coming together as brothers and sisters on this Sunday of the Word of God, let us ask the Father's forgiveness, for He is full of gentleness and compassion. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Let us pray for God's protection. Keep your family safe, O Lord, with unfailing care, that relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. The Word of the Lord In the sight of the angels I will sing your praises, Lord. I thank you, Lord, with all my heart. You have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels I will bless you. I will adore before your holy temple. I thank you for your faithfulness and love, which excel all we ever knew of you. On the day I called, you answered. You increased the strength of my soul. All the rulers on earth shall thank you when they hear the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the Lord's ways. How great is the glory of the Lord! You stretch out your hand and save me. Your hand will do all things for me. Your love, O Lord, is eternal. Discard not the work of your hands. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand. This is the good news through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, 
because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of the apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. The Word of the Lord Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Come follow me, says the Lord, and I will make you fishers of my people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Simon Peter and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord I believe the biggest problem facing our church these days is not materialism or secularism, or even communism. I think it's self-esteem, or rather the lack of it. The belief that we are not good enough or worthy enough in God's eyes for the love that has been bestowed upon us. We can't quite understand that God would be so generous to us and not expect something significant in return. Well, I suppose God does expect something, that we would love one another as much as God loves us. But for some people, that is too high a price to pay. A sense of unworthiness is not a modern-day phenomenon. All three characters in today's readings have all done great and courageous things for God, and even they had low opinions of themselves. Isaiah says he's a man of unclean lips. 
Paul does not think he's worthy to be called an apostle, and Peter suggests that Jesus should leave him since he believes himself to be a sinful man. None of them are wrong in their self-assessment, but they had not yet comprehended the depth of God's love and the implications of that love on their lives. Now, while arrogance and self-promotion are not attractive qualities, a sense of unworthiness and inadequacy is slowly killing growth and mission in the church. The more people concentrate on what they cannot do and their perceived lack of talent, the more those who've accepted their giftedness as well as their inadequacies will be left to carry the message of the gospel. Perhaps it is a system of our present age that people's fear of failure has stopped them from stepping up and saying, what can I do for my church, for my faith in God? It is due in part to a trend that when we say the role of the Christian is to serve, many people believe that they're the ones who are to be served. We are the customer and we should be able to pick and choose where, when and how we get what the church has on offer. Now clearly, Jesus does not write us off because we're sinners. He has another plan because he believes that sinners have a future, not just a past. He cannot force us to accept this opportunity, but the invitation is constantly offered. Now happily, Jesus did not take Peter's advice to put some distance between them. It's become clear that Jesus did not come to be a hermit himself, hiding away. But rather, he came to do the opposite. He travels into people's lives, not away from them, so that they might eventually realize that despite their shortcomings and lack of personal gifts, they are worthy of being loved, and that Jesus calls them into a new way of seeing themselves. So instead of blaming Peter for his failure to catch fish, he tells them to keep trying, to launch out into the deep, to take an even bigger risk of humiliation among his peers. Possibly our church has not encouraged risk-taking and involvement in the past. Maybe we've presented an image of God who judges and blames, or of a hierarchy who ignores and dismisses. But Jesus, who is the living example of what we should be as church, sees that Peter has greater possibilities. He challenges him beyond what he thinks he's capable of. Now each of us has a possibility that we're fearful of trying. When we question this potential, we should be open to Jesus asking, How far are you prepared to trust me? Not only does our church lack priests and religious, but we also lack people who are prepared to launch out into the deep and to take up the challenge to be active in their faith. It's at this point we need to ask if we simply want to sit in the boat and let others do the work, or are we prepared to get our feet wet? and see what living our faith actually feels like. The Apostles' Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. 
he descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Coming together as God's people and having listened to the good news, we now turn to God in sincere prayer. That all our church leaders may listen to the concerns of their people and carry out their ministry with compassion and courage. We pray to the Lord. That all Christians may be faithful to the vocation God has called them to follow. We pray to the Lord that all those who feel rejected may be comforted by the Lord's healing hand. We pray to the Lord that all in our community who feel inadequate will become able with our support to cope with the demands which they experience in life. We pray to the Lord that those who have gone before us may be rewarded with the gift of eternal life, especially those for whom we now pray. We pray to the Lord. Bountiful God, we strive to do your will and experience your forgiveness. We ask you humbly to hear our prayers that we present through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. With humble and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, for the praise and glory of his name. 
for our good and the good of all his holy church. O Lord our God, who once established these created things to sustain us in our frailty, grant, we pray, that they may become for us now the sacrament of eternal life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For by his birth he brought renewal to humanity's fallen state, and by his suffering cancelled out our sins. By his rising from the dead he has opened the way to eternal life, and by ascending to you, O Father, he has unlocked the gates of heaven. And so with a company of angels and saints we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Mark, our Bishop, and his assistant Ken, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here, whose faith and devotion are known to you, for them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all those who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls, in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and our Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogenus, John and Paul, Cosmos and Damien, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept the oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation, and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his Almighty Father, Giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. 
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands. And once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The Mystery of Faith When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty, from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants, who have gone before us with the sign of faith, and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light and peace. To us also, your servants, who, though sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever. Amen. At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. May the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us who receive it. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, through your death gave life to the world, free me by this your most holy body and blood from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. May the body of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. Amen. May the blood of Christ keep me safe for eternal life. Amen. Let them thank the Lord for his mercy, his wonders for the children of men. For he satisfies the thirsty soul, and the hungry he fills with good things. A prayer for spiritual communion in union with all who are unable to physically receive communion at this time. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the blessed sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already here, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The body of Christ. Amen. The blood of Christ. Amen. Let us pause for a time of quiet post-communion prayer and reflection.
What has passed our lips as food, O Lord, may we possess in purity of heart, that what has been given to us in time may be our healing for eternity. Let us pray. O God, who have willed that we be partakers in the one bread and the one chalice, grant us, we pray, so to live, that made one in Christ, we may joyfully bear fruit for the salvation of the world. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks everyone, and I hope you have a wonderful and grace-filled week. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Faith, Hope and Love, Christian Worship and Reflection, led by Rev. Paul Kelly. Prayers and Chants, the Roman Missal, 3rd edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Scriptures, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and 2009, the NCC USA. Psalms, 1963 and 2009, The Grail, Collins Publishers. Prayers of the Faithful, Together We Pray, by Robert Borg, E.J. Dwyer Publishers, 1993, Sydney, Australia. Sung Mass in Honour of St. Ralph Sherwin by Geoffrey M. Ostrovsky, The Gloria, copyright 2011, ccwatershed.org. Faith, Hope and Love theme hymn in memory of William John Kelly, inspired by 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13. Music by Paul W. Kelly, arranged and sung with additional lyrics by Stefan Kelp, 2019. Quiet Time Instrumental Reflection Music, written by Paul W. Kelly, 1988-2007, and this arrangement, Stephen Kelp, 2020. Today I Arise, Patricia J. Kelly, original words and music by Paul W. Kelly, inspired by St. Patrick's Prayer, arranged and sung with additional lyrics by Stephen Kelp, 2019. Production by KER 2022. May God bless and keep you. Today I arise with love from on high, the name of the three in one. Today I arise through heavenly eyes, your grace to God and guide. Today it begins with strength from within, this day. I will arise Today I arise Today I arise This day